You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. This morning, come with me to Exodus chapter 11. We have an account that is very popular that most Christians know about, and we want to look at it this morning, trusting that the Holy Ghost will speak to us from this account in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 11, I'll read from verse 1. I'd like us to read together. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here all together. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel." And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Chapter 12, verse 1. We'll read 1 and 2. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of month. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Let's stop here. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Notice something here. Let's read this again. This month shall be... Your beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Let's read it again. This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year. One more time. This month shall be, and it shall be. I want you to know that the scripture didn't say this month is. January is. That's not what it said. Today is. We say happy new year because of calendar. When God speaks, God does not speak because of calendar. He speaks of interventions. This month shall be. So when somebody wishes you Happy New Year, they are simply speaking calendrical English. Is that correct? Added. Praise the Lord. You see, the Jews had two calendars they operated with. They had the civil calendar which operated, they say from about September was the new year, September, October. And it goes on one year. But these people were in a season that was not the first month. It was not the new year. But God came and announced them and said, By reason of what I will do, it shall be. Are you understanding? He said, This month shall be. This month is not, but it shall be. Somebody can say amen to that. It shall be the year of complete turnaround. It can be for you that. Praise the Lord. No, no, you see, the whole world doesn't have to agree. That's the beauty about spiritual things. It's between you and your God. It's between you and your God. Our Lord Jesus, the creator of the world, walked on earth. And many times he responded to people and he said to them, I have said, be healed. He said, your faith has made you whole. What was he saying? He's saying, you have taken something. You have appropriated something. 
So it's not a new year because it's a new day. Now, really, how many of us really know what a new year is? You know what a new year is? A new year is that the earth has completed a cycle of rotation around the sun. That's what it is. And the month is that the sun has completed a cycle around the earth. Now, those are not things that should affect your stomach, should affect your faith or your confidence. I be you think it should. Really, they don't make much of a sense. That's why when as spiritual people, you begin to anchor a lot of things in overhearing, you know, a preacher. And the way he was speaking to the people, by 29, by 30, I said, this man is deceiving these people. What is spiritual about te- What Now, the year has come and gone. Any, any difference? There's nothing. These, these, are, these are geographical, you know, things that have to do with moon and sun and all of that. You are spiritual. You are connected to the creator. Praise the Lord. You are moved and inspired and controlled by the word. The word is what said to the son, be moving. And you have access to the word. Do you want to become a secondary beneficiary, a secondary responder? Or you want to jump the sun and the moon and the air and connect with the word itself? He said, by faith, we understand that the words which we see, we are framed by the word of God. Why do you want the words to collect from the word of God? Then you go and wait and collect from the word. When the word can speak to you directly. That's what the Lord was saying to Israel. He said this month, Kalindri Kali is not. But I God, I'm saying it shall be. That was the institution of the Passover. And for them, it was a new month. Because from that month, they ceased to be slaves. That month they seemed to be poor. That month they seemed to be sick. For the next 40 years at least we are sure. There was none feeble amongst them. Somebody say amen. amen. It can be your portion. Amen. Praise the Lord. He said this month shall be the word over all. Many years ago we listened to a sermon here. The word over matter. You know the, the word tells us mind over matter. But it's actually the word over matter. Because the word spoke matter into being. Matter is sustained by the word. Any of us here who has some bit of scientific understanding will tell you that the tiniest, whatever, is the atom now. Atom is the smallest, right? Inside of atom is no matter. (laughs) Praise the Lord, somebody. Inside of atom, there is no matter. Inside of it is space. Something is holding some things together and then it becomes matter. What is holding that thing? He said, upholding all things by the word of your power. Praise the Lord, somebody. But you see, God has given us the right to choose at which level to live, at which level to respond. So you can respond secondarily and you can respond primarily. You can respond directly with him. That's why the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God and the word was God. That's what is in the beginning. And when all is over, that's what will remain. Anyway, so we have this account. The background to this account we know very well. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 400 years plus. And they began to cry to the Lord. And God raised Moses, a deliverer, you know, to come and set them free. And God said to Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And you're going to go and tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And when you go to Pharaoh, you're going to tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. Let Israel go or else I will kill your firstborn. And Pharaoh said to Moses, who is the Lord? I've never met him. Where is his altar? Which nation worships him? Why should I listen to him? You know the way the conversation went and you know, Moses started doing some things that the Lord asked him to do. And he dropped his staff. He turned into snake. Pharaoh's uh, magicians came, dropped their own. And they were going back and forth after that one. You know, there was the lies and all of that. But at the third time, when Moses did a sign before Pharaoh, the Bible says the magicians and enchanters of Egypt tried to do theirs. And they could not do theirs. I've noted here that interestingly, The devil is so wicked. These people bring a plague on Egypt. And then the magicians of Pharaoh, instead of stopping the plague, they bring it again. Do you know anybody that goes to native doctors? That's the experience. They go for headache to be cured. They go with cancer. Because the devil has nothing. Whatever somebody buys from the devil, the change will be terrible. He has nothing good to give. 
Anything that comes from his pocket, he gives you a husband, you will wish you never met a man before. He's a terrible devil. Anyway, so these magicians tried to do theirs, and they said to Pharaoh, this is nothing else but what? The finger of God, the power of God, and they've let us back out. Pharaoh did not stop. Pharaoh continued. He would say to Moses, okay, go. Then when he goes and they stop the plague, he would change his mind. And they kept going back and forth. In chapter 10, come with me to chapter 10, verse 24. The Bible says, Pharaoh called to Moses and said, okay now, go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. You see, this is the last resistance Pharaoh set up. He said to the people, go and serve the Lord, but don't let your flocks and your herds go. What was they saying? He said, go without your economy. Go without your prosperity. Go without your well-being. You know why? Because he knows that if they went without it, what will happen? They will come back. That's why the enemy tempts many Christians in the areas of their finances. And they keep falling and they keep failing. Because he knows that if he holds this of this men, they will come back. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to us, did not compare God with any other thing, but with mammon. He said, you cannot serve God and what? Mammon. Very important area, very touch area for the believer. It's an area you must win victory over. Every Christian or any Christian that does not settle it, that is ready to serve God as a pauper, has not started Christianity. Those I've said it here, those who say to you they can never be poor, they have not read the Bible. Because we are called to be disciples of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says, Jesus won. For our sakes, he became one. That means for the sake of those you're ministering to, for the sake of a testimony, you also can become poor. Paul didn't have any business being poor. I hope you know that. Some people are looking at me this new year. What are you saying, Pastor? Paul had no business being poor. Paul was a lawyer means he had the best of profession at the time paul was trained in the school of gamelia which means he attended uh, harvard business school lagos business school you know ethiopian business school which other one paul was a tent maker which means he was into manufacturing what is it paul was a fighter he was the one that was arresting and killing which means he probably had a black belt in taekwondo so every area he wanted he could have prospered in but the same paul says i've learned in all states to abound and to obey. He said, whatever is necessary for the season, I'm ready to supply it. Now, I'm not saying Paul was poor, but I'm saying Paul was versatile. Paul never said, I can never be poor. You know why? Because I learned in the scriptures that Felix, Governor Felix, kept Paul so that he might give him a bribe. Did I read there? I said, this Paul must have been loaded too. He kept Paul. Expect, imagine a governor, a king, expecting to be given bribe. It meant that there was something Paul had. At least that is making somebody smile. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. Okay, so he said to them, go without your livestock. And Moses answered in verse 25, you must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us, not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even, we do not even know what we must serve the Lord with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. 27 says, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed to yourselves, and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall what? Die. This is Pharaoh speaking to Moses. And then Moses said, You have spoken well. I will never see your face again. Now whose word came to pass? No, but Pharaoh also, you know, they drove them out. The scriptures records for us the totality of life. Now, what it means is that somebody came into the year, somebody came into church today, and their situation's threatening you. As if this is the final, they will finish you. Now, what he's saying there is that there'll be a finishing, but who will be finished? We are not sure yet. Are you getting what I'm saying? In this account, Pharaoh thought that he will finish Moses and then Pharaoh will remain. But you and I know the story, isn't it? Moses remained standing long after Pharaoh was what finished. But yet it was the word of Pharaoh. So what it means is that when a word comes, we must interpret it. Notice that there was no fear 
in Moses when he was responding. He said he has spoken what? Well. He didn't go home and start shaking. He said he has spoken well. Because he knew whom he had what? Believed. And he was fully what? Convinced and persuaded. That what God has said to him will come to pass. That is faith. You settle what God has said to you. It doesn't matter what the enemy is doing. Praise the Lord. I remember many years ago as a younger person. You know how if you're lying down on your bed and your windows shake. How many of us become afraid a bit? But if you live in Abuja now, doesn't your door shake as well? Even sometimes the roof is shaking. Or is it only my house? Okay, yours don't shake. Top of your own doesn't shake. Ah. In my house, sometimes the door will just do gaga 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 gaga. If I you know what I'm saying. Things shake, Abby. You know, all kinds of things will be shaking. But you know whom you have believed. If he shakes and wakes you up, you turn the other side and continue sleeping. Because he that keeps Israel one. Neither sleeps nor slumbers. So you can sleep. You can sleep. The one who is keeping you does not sleep nor slumber. You don't have to go and investigate every shaking. Praise the Lord. Your God is on the throne. Before him, dark, he doesn't need to switch on the light to see what is happening. Darkness and light are the same before him. That's the God you and I serve. He doesn't need to open the door to see who is behind the door. He sees all comprehends all understands all that's the god we serve so we have no reason to respond in panic neither to the passage of time somebody comes into church and he says pastor my time is going your time cannot be going who you should be worried is god going as long as god is with you that is favor praise the lord we know the account of aaron when he was being tested or challenged by the leaders of the tribes of Israel. And God said, okay, let everybody bring their dead rods. Their dried up rods. And let's set it before the presence of the Lord. Let's know who God is transacting with. And when they put Aaron's rod together with the other 11 leaders, what happened? The Bible said by the next day, what had happened? Aaron's rod had budded and brought forth leaves. And brought forth figs. Now that was a miracle that should have taken at least. I don't know the exact time. But at least one full season or two seasons. But when God is with a man. Tell, some, tell yourself. I don't know maybe this is for you. Tell yourself that time cannot pass where God is. It's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot be too old. No you can't. Praise the Lord. You can still wear wedding gown. It does not matter what I say. Hallelujah. You can still not stop, babe. It doesn't matter. Your question should not be how old you are. It's how close you are to God. Because when God is there, he captures everything. Praise the Lord. We learned that Abraham and Sarah, they started behaving like teenagers. Abraham would tickle Sarah. Sarah would laugh and that was what was happening. Imagine seeing a 99-year-old man tickling a 90-year-old woman. But that's what God did. You think they just went and so they played now. They played. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so Moses said, I'm not bothered about what you're saying because I've held on to God's word. Our main text here is to say something to us very important. So we see something that is happening here. Exodus begins to tell us, God announced, Moses, tell the children of Israel that I'm going to bring one more plague on Pharaoh and then you will be free. What is happening here is this. It's a new year. God declared to them. But he said, this is what is going to happen. I'm sending my word. Tell the people, let them take a lamb. A lamb of the first year, isn't it? He said, let them keep it. Let them observe it from the 10th to the 14th. They are going to kill it. They take the blood and apply on their doorposts. And then I'm going to send the angel of death. And anywhere I don't see the blood, I will come in and strike the firstborn. The same announcement that came also gave this other instruction. And the other instruction is said we find in verse 2 of chapter 11. It says, speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and everyone from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of what? Gold. Now, you see what is happening here. In the same year, geographically, the children of Israel and the children of Egypt were there in different years. Everybody was in the same year. 
geographically, land-wise now. They were in the same country. Praise the Lord. When they... However, at this time, their conditions were different. Some were slaves and some were what? Masters. Praise the Lord. Very important. Also, in this same environment, there were some little G gods. So, the children of Israel had the God of the sun, the God of, you know, the river and all that. And they had some thing gods. You know, Pharaoh was regarded as a god by the Egyptians. But there was also in this scenario that we are looking at, one true God. This true God intervenes, Psalm 95 verse 3. It says, for the Lord is the great God. And what? And the great king above all gods. If any of us here, you know, has gone into the cockpit of a plane you'll notice that there are a lot of equipments there are a lot of things reading different things the most important thing they follow there are the coordinates given to them from base it's not the movement of the cloud you know if i were to fly a plane you know using the brain of a driver if i see a cloud what will i do i turn left i told you about the pilot that flew us from ghana to nigeria the man said when i get to Lokoja, i'll make a left i was wondering is this man going to go by road or by air he said, as I'm approaching or Kenne, I will make a left turn, then I will make a U-turn here. I say, I hope this man knows what is. <laughs> you know, praise God. But we see here the same calendar here, the same country, the same geographical location, diverse scenarios, several, you know, gods that people worship there, and the gods who Pharaoh had made himself. But there was one true God there. And if I could jump to the end of this whole story, those who came out well were those who listened to the words of that one true God. This year, sir, I beg you, we pray that the crossover, take God, what? Seriously. Don't even take your situation seriously. You know why? The verse 2 we read said, tell the men, tell the women, let them go to their neighbors and ask what? Ask for them articles. Don't ask for plastic bucket. Ask for articles of silver and what? Gold. Now, if any of the, any of the Israelites took their slavery very seriously, they would have gone and said, okay, if you give me your face cap alone, I'll be happy. Are you getting it? For them to ask for gold, Slaves don't handle gold. You see, you read the Bible. Let's not just read through it. For them to ask for what they asked for, they must have gotten up in the morning and said, I know be slave at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? The ladies must have adjusted themselves. I don't want to push it because some people might lose me and never come back. But imagine now, madam, in your house now, the nanny comes back and says, is the Peruvian weaver I want to wear to church today? He said, this new year, that's the one. Give me that one to wear. You know, you sit down and, and, and say, nah, what? <laughs> you must not take your current scenario too seriously. Who you should take seriously is God. Now, I want to take the liberty to explain what seriously means. Because, you know, it was the message translation we looked at in Matthew 17. You can put that for us, please. Matthew 17, 19 to 21. King James would tell us, because of your unbelief or little faith. He says, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said to him, why could we not cast it out? 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, is this unbelief that message rightly translates to us as what? Because you are not yet taking God's word. Seriously. Let me tell you a bit of what serious means. Serious means taking something to be important. Or grave enough to require thought and attention. Praise the Lord. You know, when you and I went to school, when we attended school, some of us are still in school. The first lectures of the session, your purpose is to attend. Isn't it? So when you come out of the lecture and you have endured that lecturer for two hours, you mark yourself good. Now what the lecturer said, if somebody asks you, what will you say? That's not, that's not why you went. You went to feel attendance. Am I right? I'm sure some of us were better than that, those who made first classes. Because those who make first classes don't attend to attend. Now, many of us have been attending church for 20 years to attend. 
Now, do you know that every day you come into the house of God, anywhere it is, whether it's even a small prayer meeting, whether it's for us get connected or launch, whatever fellowship, do you know that God is present there? Do you know that I say where two or more are gathered together in my name? Do you know he said, I am there? If God is somewhere, what is the expectation you're coming there with, sir? If not, that we're not taking it seriously. If God is going to be in a meeting, if the president or some person important were going to attend this meeting, do you know why many times for churches, it's as though when a guest minister comes, the anointing is more. The anointing is not more, you come with more expectation. You take it more seriously. Because you see, if the anointing is more, then you deny the word of God. The anointing cannot be more. Where two or more are gathered, I'm there. So where a guest minister is, who else is going to be there? Is it not the same God who was there when the other two were there? You know what has changed? You are taking the meeting more seriously. You're taking the meeting. Whereas when you and your brother and another brother are chatting, God is there about to act. But when they give you a word, you don't receive it. Because they're not vibrating. My wife told me, have you noticed that when people come to you and complain some things, and you speak a word to them, many times... They get a bit disappointed. So I'm learning to try and, you know, flex muscle. Let's hold hands. People of God, can I say something to you? Do you know there is no joke in the Bible? God did not crack a joke. There is no word of God written that God says, I don't really mean it. So for those who are too excited about Christian comedy, you need to watch that. I don't mind. Comedy is my best movie. But when anything has to do, even if you're joking, don't compare Jesus with Muhammad. Don't. It is not a joke. They don't joke with live bullets. They don't joke with grenade. No, you can't joke with this thing. There's no joke in it. Taking God seriously. Because if you mention the name of Jesus for deliverance from a demon, you cannot mention it to laugh. If the same word comes in and say, go ask your neighbor, and you think it's a joke, you will laugh over it. Do you know some women, some children of Israel would have laughed? Look at Moses sending me to Mama Aisha to collect all her gold. Or is it, um, uh, uh, what's the other one? Diziani. Diziani, all those ones. Imagine if her servant just went in and said, Madam Diziani, please give me all that jewelry. You know, EFCC said it's running into billions. That's what Moses said to us. This is somebody that their salary is minimum wage, 30000 Then you have their effrontery to go and ask for diamond. It takes a dimension of taking God seriously. That is what will make it a new year for you. It means to give something thought. It means for it to provoke you. It means for it not to be superficial. Or merely entertaining. That's why, you know, in as much as we are modern and want to make church services engaging and all of that. It must not, entertainment must not be the sole goal. There come in no need. Yes, because there is no need for entertainment. Get the word. We can go outside and do all the entertainment we want to do. Church is a serious business. That's why native doctors don't have praise and worship and, you know, praise singers. Because everybody who is going there know what they are going for. They don't notice the dressing of the ushers. Those who have gone, have you seen? <laughs> Even Moss does not have ushers. Do you know that? They don't usher people. Because it's serious business. So to take God seriously means this thing is not superficial. It's not something that I go and I just come, I say, I, part, I, I went. What I, I, I went to church. No, you don't just go. It means to mean something literally. As we're worshiping today, the Spirit of God said, if people took me seriously, during praise and worship, they'll get miracles. God, great God. God, great God. Who is the enemy? Who is that that will be threatening you? Praise the Lord. We sang King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Everlasting King, Savior, Redeemer. Do you know what those things, do you know what it means? When you take him seriously, all of that begins to come to impact on you. It says to be dedicated. Taking something serious means you're dedicated. You show great interest or commitment to the endeavor or skill. 
a man said he was ministering to a businessman and he was the businessman was saying how busy he was and all of that and as a businessman assuming god forbid you suddenly developed a kidney situation and you needed dialysis and the timings were 3 a.m in the morning you know um 7 a.m you know every four hours like that would you miss the 3 a.m and 7 a.m one because there's no time or it's inconvenient you won't you know why because it's serious brethren if your christianity is not more serious to you than any other thing you need to pray we pray and we'll continue to pray praise the lord it says another word for serious you know the, it says intention to succeed or likely to succeed you know during the elections there are some candidates that come out and we say they're not serious how many have said it of people but there are candidates that come and say that's a serious candidate what's the difference you see him taking actions taking steps like someone who wants to do what succeed you must pursue your christianity like someone who wants to make it to the book of life and to finish well you see somebody if if the weather if it rains you don't come to church you know if this happens you you know you move to this direction if that happens you move to that direction you're saying you're not taking it seriously praise the lord somebody it means to be substantial and sustained so the being of the year there's a lot of fire okay don't make church your work with god like membership of the gym how many of us go to the gym if you go to the gym in january that is the greatest attendance you'll see because that's when people have said this year i will lose seven kg this year i will get six pack this year i will grow taller that's january february 60 percent march 30 percent remaining by the middle of the year you see the real gym users five percent of them they keep coming and then the gym people can reduce their air condition that's when they make money because people are finished paying but they're not coming so they turn down some aces but don't make your christianity like that you know why we have an active enemy the devil won't fight you when you're full of vigor one of the spiritual you know disciplines that people miss and that is so essential is consistency and if somebody were to ask me, Pastor, give me a secret. That is the secret I'll give you. It's being instant in season and other. It might not sound glamorous. But it's the secret to many great things God has prepared for you. Many of us miss off on our greatness. Because we are not stable. You know, Reuben was the firstborn of um, Jacob. You know why he could not receive the inheritance? He said you're unstable. What does it mean to be unstable? It means I can't expect you to be where you are when you should be there. Unstable. Not unintelligent. Not ungifted. Not even, you, you, not even that he's a bad person. He said you're unstable. You're unreliable. I can't say that I give you this commitment and by November I will see you there. By the mercy of God, let me tell you. I've not missed any prayer meeting I should attend since I got born again. That's why sometimes I want to travel because that's the only time I'm free. It means, I'm not saying good health. Health is secondary. The pain I was having yesterday, I was unable to even stand. But I attended Livingston, I didn't tell you. It was after the meeting that I got much better. You know why? Because I have an appointment with my maker. I've not missed an international flight because I was having headache. Why should I miss prayer meeting because I'm having headache? I've not missed visa appointment because somebody annoyed me. If people annoy you when you're going for visa, you bless them. <laughs> no, be so. If they step on your shoes, say, that's all right, that's all right. All you're, you're hoping that the interviewer, the council officer will see that you're doing some good things. So that they will judge in your favor. Why do you do that? Because you take that seriously. He said to me, tell the people, this Israelite, if they did not take God seriously. Now, now, let me move because my time is quickly going. Don't imagine that Israel got delivered from Egypt because of just God's power. Remember, God has said, I will make man in my image according to what? My likeness. It means that whatever God does, he involves you. Do you know, let me put it this way. This might catch our attention more. Do you know that Pharaoh could have also been saved? From that destruction. Why? Let me tell you why. Somebody may be asking why. Let me tell you why. God, because he is good and because he is love, must always operate by grace. 
Now, the children of Israel were saved from Egypt by what? His grace. His grace. Let me explain to you why it was grace. You know why it was grace? First of all, it was not a surprise. They didn't wake up one morning and then their firstborn sons were destroyed. The Bible told us in verse 3 or 4, it made a statement that I think it's verse 4. Please give it to us. Exodus 11, 4. The Bible made a statement that is very important. It made a statement that the Spirit of God explained to me. I never understood it. Look at the second part. It said, moreover, the man Moses was what? Read it. Very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Notice that it says, this man had been exalted. God exalted him. Why? So that the words from his mouth would be taken seriously. Now, the thing that happened, the whole Passover event that took place, Moses spoke it. The Egyptians heard it. The children of Israel heard it. Everybody in the land heard it. What did they hear? They heard that God was going to pass over this land. And everyone who did not have blood on his lintel, the angel of death will come in and anybody who could hear, the grace was given. So you can actually rightly say that it wasn't the sons of the Egyptians that were killed. It was the sons of the disobedient. You can actually say that the children of Israel were not saved because they're children of Israel. They were saved because they obeyed. They mixed the world with faith. Because if they did not, listen, praise God. Holy Spirit, help me. Can God tell between Egyptians and children of Israel? Can God tell between the Egyptians and the Israelites? Did he need a sign outside to know? Doesn't he know who it is? He put that so that grace can become effective. And that's why the angel did not look inside. He looked on the door. Because inside the house could be Pharaoh. And then he'll still be saved. And if outside the house, they didn't put the sign. It didn't matter if they were children of Israel. Why? Because the same God is merciful and faithful towards all. Child of God is about the word of God. It's about hardening onto his word. And embracing the word. So God had lifted Moses and given him prominence. And for someone who is in church today, the reason God lifts you as a child of God is to make your word or your life to be a means through which he passes to his people. Be careful what you do with that greatness. Be careful with what you do with that influence. Be careful with what you do with all of that that God has given to you. He said, now the man Moses was great. He said, you know why? Because by his words, I will bring judgment. And by his word, I will bring salvation. So when God has lifted a man, what you do can bring life or it can bring death. That's why the Bible talks about us being ministers of life. So Moses was lifted and the word came through his mouth and everybody heard it. Now, you know when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, there was people who left with them who were not Israelites. There were people who took Moses' word and went and also followed. 2020, follow the word. That's what makes it a new year for you. If from today you begin to take the word of God, literally, no flippancy. What I'm learning now is that I don't even say God bless you unless I mean it. You know God bless you is a greeting. Eh? You know, you, you just say some of these things, but you step back. How many of us capture their pin anyway? Your pin code. Do I know it? You don't say good morning, uh, you know, 0524. It's only when you want a transaction to take place, Abby. Now, don't call God unless you want something to happen. I get in it. And then if the same God speaks, don't think he's joking. When God said to the children of Israel, go and ask of your neighbors articles of gold and silver god was confirming what he said to abraham he said to abraham your descendants are going to be one slaves in a foreign land but after this is what he was saying in genesis 15 14 god has said this he says the nation they serve i will judge afterward they shall come out with what with great possession he said this in genesis in genesis how many years before that over 500 years Listen, brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus made a statement and he didn't make it once. That's what makes it very important. Luke 16, 17, he said, it is easier for the heaven and earth to pass away than for one title of the Lord to fail. 
Jesus is saying here, every word of mine, I take it seriously. Now you better take his word seriously. For good, if we obey. For destruction. So did the angel of death slay people in Egypt? Yes or no? It's difficult to answer. You know why? Because if anybody put the sign, the angel of death will say I'm breaking through that sign. So what was it that destroyed people? What was it that saved people? It was their response to the word. Joshua said, I said before you what? Life and blessing, death and cause. He said, choose life. Everybody makes a choice. The generation we're in now, can anybody deny that he has said, even those who are not Christians, that Jesus is coming back? Christmas, we said, is an announcement to everybody that a Savior came into the world. And if anybody has a bit of patience to ask, Kilo, Kilo, Kilo Nshe, what happened with that Savior? They'll tell them that that Savior is coming back, Abi. And this time he's not coming back in a manger. He's coming back what? In the skies. Anybody who is on this earth will not be surprised by rapture. People won't be surprised because they've been informed. But the thing is this. Are they prepared? That's where God will be vindicated. And when we talk about this thing, it's easy to look outside of the church. But let me ask you, like we saw when we started the service today. Does the second coming excite believers? It doesn't excite believers. How many conferences have you seen promoted? Jesus is coming soon, 2020 conference. Have you ever seen any of this in Leiden? Or Okay, let, let's even leave Jesus is coming soon. Get your crowns for eternity conference. Have you ever seen that? Nobody is interested. Tell me it's my mega year. My year of, you know, break here, break there. That's what I want. My year of double overtake. But you read the scriptures and you're wondering what's up. What's going on? Praise the Lord, somebody. So the word is given. And God said to them, go let them ask. Every one of them that asked received. And they had the treasures of Egypt. Because God's word will never fail. It says, whatsoever a man soweth, same he shall also what? Whether good or bad. These people, their fathers and themselves had labored and served Egyptians for 400. And he had to pay them. Somebody is coming into the air and you've been labored. I want to please beg you, don't grow weary in well-doing. Because very likely in 2020 you shall reap. In the name of... God is aware. One of the devil's worst lies is to tell you no one notices. He may be right that no one notices, but God notices. The pastor may not notice. Praise the Lord. Your employees might not notice how important and essential you are to that organization. But God notices. I learned from one preacher who was preaching on television. He said something very profound. He said that every labor is rewarded. Some in cash, some in money, some in favor. Some of us, the deliverance we are getting from different challenges that are coming our way is payment for things that we have done that we are not paid in money. Some of us are rewarded by a posterity. Your children's children will enter into the favor of what you have labored for. It might seem as if you fooled yourself. That guy was not sharp. No, you were being obedient to God and God watches over his word to perform it. Listen, some people's surnames are Neniu. Abi Anini, which one was the arm robber? Well, either way. Um, do you understand? I told us here, Akunyuli's daughter's paintings are being sold for $3 million. $3 million she could have collected as bribe from Navdak. She refused to collect. Then her son draws something. And then, you know, presidents are visiting her art gallery. Which one would you want? To steal Nigerian money or to have your children honored all over the world? Every labor is rewarded. Every action has its consequences, whether good or bad. So he said to them, ask, why am I emphasizing this? You and I must not look at our circumstances to obey God. If the word comes to you, it has the potential to bring about everything it's coming for. Mary said to the angel, this thing you're saying to me, is it not better said to those who have men? Because I have no man. What did the angel say? Oh, I made a mistake. Did the angel say that? The angel said, no. The power of the Most High will do what? Will overshadow you. When the word of God comes to the believer, the anointing is backing up to bring fulfillment. But you see, to agree to that word, God cannot do it. 
If not, you know, you read the Bible and the, the wisdom of God is so much. If not, Mary could have woken up one morning and been pregnant like, you know, they're doing some uh, gatherings. Say, come out for pregnancy prayer. And then your stomach just starts growing. Mary could have woken up and said, Che, Che, what happened? Then that's when they'll send an agent and the angel will say, no, you are pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Have you thought about that? But do you know why they had to send the message to her? Because she had to say yes. If she said no, who knows the other Marys or Marthas or, you know, Antonias and, uh, you know, Ngozis and uh, people that the angel met. And they said no. Who knows? But the message had to come so that she can say yes. This morning I'm begging you, when you go home, when you take your Bible, as you're sitting down, what God said to you, say to him what? Yes. Yes. He says you shall prosper. Say yes. He said you shall be the head and not say yes. He said also you shall quit adultery. Say yes. Don't say man, no be wood. You are wood for this purpose. He said you will not take bribe again. Don't tell him, do you know my rent alone, my, uh, my salary cannot pay my rent. Say yes. Do you understand? Say yes. Because God knows where you are. Before he sent the word, he could see you. He was speaking to slaves. He said, go to your masters. Go to them. Ask them for gold, silver. And as they went and they asked, like joke, they were giving them. And they were collecting. And the better part of the story was that after they collected, you know, King James said borrow. But they said it wasn't borrow in that sense. It was, you know, request. So if you have been borrowed, maybe they would have been obliged to pay back. So they took all of that. And then you see, these same people they borrowed from or asked of were the ones that said to them, come and be going, travel, go with everything. If anything has made you think it is difficult for God to fulfill his word, tell the devil you're a liar. Do you understand? The children of Israel did not escape from Egypt. I want you to get that. We started by saying it shall be. When the season, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says to everything what? When the season of God's deliverance and transformation comes to you, you will all of a sudden realize that that thing is not difficult. The picture of difficulty is built up by the stronghold of serial failure. Unquote. But when God's time comes, you will be amazed. Listen, some of us here have experienced major breakthroughs, financially and otherwise. And you will see that, listen, it's so easy to make 50 million naira. It's so easy to make 100 million. The same check that they used to pay you 15,000 naira is the same check. In fact, it's easier to write 100 million than to write 3,755 naira. Do you know that? God's mercy, when the season comes, the Bible said these people were driven out. I declare to somebody it's a new season. In the name of Jesus. I say it's a new season. By reason of the word that is coming. It's a new season. Yes. You see, seasons are significant because they make things conducive. They make things conducive. You make use of seasons to bring results. So we see this account. God announced it shall be. This is what you do. The moment they began to do, things started to happen. Things started to happen. So today is our communion. Today we are going to go to the table of communion. And we are reminding ourselves that in the new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. He said it is finished. He settled it. He won the victory once and for all. For each and every one of us. And we are coming here today now. To declare to ourselves as a people. Psalm 102 verse 13. It says the time, the set time to favor Israel has come. Not because it's 2020. But because we have a covenant in him. Because we have a covenant. He says you will arise and have mercy on Zion. Why? He says for the time to what? Favor her has come. The time to favor her has come. Yes, the set time has come. That's what we're talking about. It's the person, it's the person of Jesus that converts our year into a blessed season. Let's rise on our feet. Father, we thank you. This month shall be. (laughs) I'm taking it seriously. I don't know about you. I said I'm taking this word seriously. I don't know about you. This month shall be, it shall be. It shall be for you and I. Beginning of months. 
It shall be a beginning of new things. A new experience. I don't know about you, but I desire closer work. I want to be called his friend. And not me boasting that I'm, I'm his friend. I want God to introduce me to people as his friend. Praise the Lord. He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He said to us, I'm relatable. Then I want to relate with him. I want him to tell me things. The Bible says the secret of the Lord. You know, many people, Christians are running about looking for prophecy. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And to them, he will show his covenant. You see, I I want God to tell me his secrets. I don't need somebody to blow me. I don't need that. I need God to speak to me and tell me things he's doing. I need God to answer me concerning Boko Haram, ISIS, you know, Fulani Hetzman. I need those secrets. I don't want to tell you about earthquakes and fire and all of that. I don't want to be his. I want to know the exact thing God is doing. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? You also can have your desire for your business. God can give you details. He can give you details. He, can, he said to Isaac, do not go down to the land of He said, stay in the land and so. And in the same year, the Bible said he ripped a hundredfold. I, I want to be close to you. I want to be drawn nearer to you. I, wa- I want to walk with you. I want to know what you would have me do. The, I want you to talk to God now. I want you to tell God, I take you seriously. I want to press on in this work with you. I want to be a serious Christian. I want to be a serious believer. I, I don't want to be superficial. I don't want to be flippant. We're going to the communion today. I'm not going to take the communion today like something we do once every month. I'm going to take it like Jesus is actually giving me his broken body and his shed blood. I want to take it seriously. I want to take every prayer. The word that says you shall lay hands on the sick and they recover. I want to take it seriously. I want to take everything you said to me seriously. I I need you to talk to God. I need you to go. I want a new day. I want a new me. I want a new house. I want a new family. I want a new testimony. I want a new productivity. I want to be a blessing to my world. I want to be a source of joy. I want to be a source of deliverance. I want my name to be heard. And people say, yes, God speaks through him. God touched me through him. God encouraged me through her. God brought deliverance through her. Lord, help me. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want my life to be a testimony that you change people, that you transform people, that you take people and make something new out of them. That's what I want, Lord. That is my desire. I've read about Saul of Tarsus who became Paul. But what about me? What about Adamu? Can't you make Adamu, Lord, and Abraham? Lord, you can. It's a new day, it's a new season. Lord, I'm receiving it today. I'm receiving it today. I'm receiving it today. I'm receiving it today. I'm receiving it. I I need you to talk to God. The year is still fresh. The days are ahead of us. I'm coming with faith. I'm coming with faith. I'm coming with faith. I'm coming with faith. I'm coming. I've heard your word. I want you to talk to the Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.